Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin-church.org. And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. This morning, we're starting a new series on the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's, it's probably one of the favorites for many, many people. And so throughout the course of the summer, we're going to just be walking through this book. It's Paul's letter to the people in Ephesus. And I just want to begin by reading the first section. We're going to be uh, starting in verse 1. We're going to read uh, through verse uh, 14 this morning. And uh, we're going to just read this, and then we're going to talk about what it means together, okay? I'll just begin with verse 1. Read along with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. This is God's word. So we have this incredible uh, passage that Paul begins with, and if you were listening and paying attention, you saw that this is like, and it's like a fire hose of ideas, theology, concepts. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's mind-blowing. And just so you know, that uh, from verse 3 to 14 in the Greek is one sentence. Paul is getting carried away. I mean, literally carried away as he's thinking about what it means to be in Christ. The beginning of this series, it's, I'm calling it 
in, 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 that's the, the word that he keeps coming back to, in Christ, in him, in the beloved one. He's just going on and on. It's, it's like the, 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 the meta theme of the, of the book is union with Christ, that we are in him. And so we're, we're going to be exploring that over the summer. And um, I, I forgot to bring this with me. I wanted to bring it with me, but I have this little device, um, and it, this is like a it's like a daily driver in the Kip household. This is something I use almost every day. Uh, in the summer, the last couple of nights, I've been grilling because I love to get outside. I love to grill. And I have this thing called a meat thermometer. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, the meat thermometer? Right? It's got the little plastic piece, and it's got this thing that like kicks out, and it's got the long like metal thing, and you know, it looks like a weapon. I have three boys, so I have to be careful about like where this thing is, right? Because it really could turn into a weapon at any moment. Um, so I have this meat thermometer, and um, the reason why it's so important to me is that about 20 years ago, I was at a youth camp in Kerrville, and every week they had this thing called a chuck wagon style barbecue. And we're talking like thousands of people were at this camp throughout the weeks. And uh, so there's a chuck wagon style barbecue outside underneath these like, you know, hundreds year old oak trees, beautiful setting. And I mean, it is a spread. And of course, we're just loading up our plate. I was younger, my metabolism was burning stronger back then. So I'm just like voraciously eating all this stuff. Well, the next morning, I noticed that something was a little wrong. And people that were on my worship team at this camp that I was leading were throwing up everywhere. And I was like, well, that's weird. Then I walk outside. And there's literally students leaned up against railings outside, throwing up everywhere. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I start going down the steps, and all of a sudden, my peripheral vision goes like this, and I have this pain in my stomach, and it hits me too. Have you ever had salmonella food poisoning before? Anyone? Apparently, there was a little mix-up in the kitchen, and somebody had some raw chicken in a bowl that they were seasoning it, put the bowl aside, and someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use that in like made potato salad or something in that bowl, and it just spread, and literally, the hospital in Kerrville, which is not a big hospital, by the way, we were all laid out on the floor along the hallway with IV bags. It took me two weeks to get over it. It was insane. Here's the, here's the point. Temperature matters. <laughs> Amen? Temperature matters. When you fast forward to the book of Revelation, the Lord is speaking, Jesus is speaking to John. He tells him to write this down, to send a message to the angel of a church. And he says to them, you're lukewarm. I wish you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, and I want to spit you out of my mouth. And the, the point of the passage is that temperature matters. Paul is in prison in this moment when he's writing a letter, but he's carried away about being in Christ. 
And it's like, it's just like the sentence that he just can't end. It's like, it just keeps going and it's just bubbling up. And and what I want to begin with is this. If I could take this thermometer and stick it into your soul, what would the temperature be right now? Like, what's the temperature of your worship to Jesus? That's what I want to begin with. What's the temperature of your worship? This book... Uh, Ephesians is written to really kind of a whole group, a whole area around Ephesus. There were churches that were born out of Ephesus. Paul had gone there, and if you read Acts chapter 19, you can get the whole backstory. He spent over two years there. He spent the first three months reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews, and some believed, but some of them began to just, you know, shout him down and all that kind of stuff, and it kind of became a problem. And so he literally says he just went next door to someone else's house that had space and began there and spent two years leading this brand new church plant that he started. And it spins off into all these house churches around Ephesus. And he writes a letter back to these people. And just so you know, this was a place that was sort of a center, a cultural center of Rome, and it was full of magic. In fact, um, it was here that believers began to confess their secret practices and they would bring magic books. And it says that the amount, the the dollar value of those books that, that, that they burned, okay, they had a big book burning of all these magic books, all the believers brought them. And it says the value would have been in our time at least $1.5 million, maybe more. So this pervasive, occult, witchcraft kind of world that Paul's bringing the gospel into. And so he's, he's just kind of speaking to these people. And by the way, this was a place where incredible miracles were happening. This is, you know, the, the, the whole like, kind of thing where televangelists would send you like a, a sweat cloth and people would be like, oh, they'd roll their eyes. Well, do you know that started in the Bible? That it says that even face cloths that Paul had, they would give it to a sick person and they would be made well. It was like, extraordinary miracles are happening in Ephesus. And so here's this place with occult and witchcraft and and all this kind of emphasis on the the, uh, spiritual world where people are trying to control things with spells and witchcraft and the occult. And Paul's speaking in and he just gives this incredible beginning to the book and it's a praise run. One massive, complete thought. And I just want to draw out some things that he says that I believe will increase the temperature, the worship of our hearts. Here's the first thing. Our worship increases because God did it all in Christ. I'll say it again. Our worship increases because God did it all in Christ. As we're reading the passage, there's action words. And if you were just to trace the action words, the verbs in the passage, and then just look at who is attributing the, who's, who's attributed that, that action, right? If we had a scoreboard, and on one side it was God, and on the other side it was us, and just, you know, who had the most action words? And here's the ones that he, he attributes to God, that God blessed He chose, he predestined, adopted, he lavished, redeemed, forgave, poured out, made known, purposed, planned, works out everything, seals. And you could maybe make a case for a couple others that he says in there. 
And if you're counting, that's 13 action words that God did. For us, you received, that's kind of passive. Like, is that even an action? You heard, oh, that's very passive. Like, literally, you just heard something? I guess, I don't even know if that counts. And then it says this, you believed slash put your hope in. So, God 13, us one. Okay? If that's, that's what the scoreboard reads. God's got 13, you've got one, but then he uses these words, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, of being chosen, predestined, adopted according to his plan. So if, if we begin to understand what that means, it's kind of like, I mean, how much credit can we, we take for believing or putting hope in? Not much. So it's really like 14 to zero, okay? I mean, that's the situation that Paul is painting in these words. And the point is this. God did it all. He did it all. If you're in Ephesus in your whole life, you've been taught, raised, thought that you had to go and control things. You had to go worship Artemis. You had to cast a spell to make the fertility come or the, the rain come or whatever, to, to get revenge or to get your, your way. If you were trying to manipulate things in the spiritual realm to get things to go your way, and all that stuff means that it's all on you. See, one of the worship killers I found is believing that I'm the one doing all the heavy lifting in my relationship with God. Did you know that? If you want to dry your soul out, become a legalist, right? Like when you think, man, I've just got to pray enough. I've got to read my Bible enough. I've got to, you know, God, I'm trying to obey you here. Like, I know I'm not perfect, but like I'm trying. And where are you at, God? And all of a sudden in, in our soul and our spirit, we begin to think, I'm doing it all. Where are you? You're just off in the clouds somewhere. This is not what Paul says. He says, look, look, you need to understand this. God's done it all. Right now, he's doing it all. <laughs> you see, religion is about control. You've got to control something. And if you will obey enough and give enough and pray enough, and do all the things, then, then you've got leverage on God and he's got to help you out. It's about control. But Christianity, the gospel, is about surrender. God, like we just saying, oh God, I, God I, I need you. God, I need you now. God, I can do nothing to add to your work. Please rescue me. Please save me. And all of a sudden, in that place, worship begins to grow. The temperature is turning up in our souls as we understand that literally God has done it all and God is doing it all. The second thing that I believe Paul tells us is that our worship increases because believers get it all in Christ. Believers get it all in Christ. Christ. He, I, I, he gives these big ideas. There's nine big ideas, and I'm just going to, I'm going to scratch the surface on these ideas, and uh, I don't even have time to go into all these, because volumes have been written about every one of these ideas. 
The first one he says is the phrase that we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. How many of the spiritual blessings did he give us? Every, all, all of them. Every spiritual blessing. In fact, this is the, the phrase that kind of summarizes all the run-on sentence ideas that he's going to have here. And, and he says that these are heavenly and that they're found in Christ, meaning the source and the origin of these blessings is heavenly rather than earthly. Um, a new movie came out this week called uh, Spider-Man. Is it Across the Spider-Verse? Is that right? Yeah, have y'all heard of that? You've seen that before? So leading up to that, so my, my nephew came and my niece, and they took my boys out to go see the movie yesterday. So we had to watch the movie, the, the Into the Spider-Verse, the night before to kind of prepare them for the storyline so that when you go in, you're fresh, ready, you know, the storyline. And so I've never seen this, this movie. It's kind of a cool graphic, you know, style that they create this movie in. And the idea is... I'm not a comic book person, okay? So I kind of glaze over when these things are shared with me. So I've, I've watched it. And the idea is that basically there are parallel universes and Spider-Mans come out of those parallel universes because Kingpin has built a collider and, and that somehow brings all the Spider-Mans into this world. I, I don't really follow it, okay? Here's the point. Heaven is not just a place out there somewhere. It's a realm that, that is parallel to our, our earthly realm. So, so the, the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm is parallel to, and when we are dead in our trespasses and sins, we are not, we, we, we do not have access to the spiritual realm of the Father, of the kingdom. Does that make sense? And so what, what Paul says is that there is there's this awakening that has come to you in which God has made us alive in the spirit, right, in this parallel realm where we can see how God is influencing the things of earth. And in there are blessings, every spiritual blessing. It's goodness. I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Here's what he said. He's talking about earthly versus heavenly. He says, our thanks are due to God for all temporal blessings. They are more than we deserve, but our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. Wow. It's beautiful. Every 
spiritual blessing. The second thing, he says that he chose us in Christ, in him, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Um, a, a few months ago, I took my boys to play pickup basketball at a local, um, at a local park. And we got there thinking, like, hopefully no one's there. Guess what? There were tons of kids there, okay? And they were already playing. So me and my boys, we start, you know, warming up over there on the other side, you know, stretching now, getting the shot dialed in, right? We're getting ready. And as soon as we walk up to the, the court, I can tell, like, we're, g- we're going to play some pickup basketball because they're like, what's up, guys? Y'all y- 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 want to play? We're like, yeah, no, no, we're good for now. We're good for now. We're just going to warm up a little bit. Finally, we, uh, we, we got into the game, and they called me Steve Nash. I don't know um, if you guys know basketball at all, but I think it's because I was old and I was white, okay? <laughs> I'm Steve Nash. And so um, because I'm Steve Nash, they made me a captain of the team. Now, here's the thing. Here's all these kids I've never, ever seen them play ever before. And I'm just choosing you, 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 you. Do you remember being a kid and waiting for someone to choose you, right? And when they did, you're like, yes. And here's what Paul says, God chose you. My pastor in Wimberley, he um, had two daughters, one biological, one adopted. And he would tell them, he, would, he said, if I could line up all the little girls over the entire earth and put them all in line, I'd pick you every time. That's what Paul's saying. God chose you before the foundation of the world, before you could ever sin or succeed, before you could ever fail or fall. He chose you. Before he ever watched you play a single whatever, he chose you. Um, In Christ, this holiness and blamelessness of Christ is somehow ours, (laughs) no matter how we've fallen or failed. The third thing he says is that he's predestined us to be adopted as sons. Now, this is the doctrine of election. Now, I'm not talking about American politics right now, um, but that God sovereignly chooses to save people. Um, And I know this creates all kinds of responses. I had a friend when I was younger. He went to uh, DBU, and he said every year at DBU, fistfights would break out on campus because there was one class that was about election, and it was about Calvinism versus Arminianism, right? It's like students would get so fired up. There there would be fistfights in the quad. I'm like, wow, like that is sad, right? Christians fight, literally fist fighting over doctrine of does God sovereignly choose or do we have free will, da 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 By the way, Paul is saying that God does choose. But every time that the scriptures talk about predestination, calling, election, it is always a comfort to the believer. 
and it's never a weapon against unbelievers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because what happens is you have that whole frozen chosen mentality, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, well, if God's going to save what he wants to save, I'm going to the beach. Who cares? Right? And that's never, ever, ever the way that it is shared. It's always to say this. If God has determined to rescue you, he will never, ever unrescue you. He will never trade his teammates. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's chosen you. It's always a comfort to the believer. And here's what it also means for us, is that when we're sharing the gospel, someone is going to believe not because you're awesome or your presentation was perfect or you remembered every little thing that you were going to say. It's because God was already doing something inside of them that he had decided to do from the foundation of the world so that when you would just put words to that gospel, they would be like, I believe. And here's the thing. We never, ever know what God is doing, do we? Some of you maybe have had a loved one who on their deathbed in the final moment said, I believe in Jesus. They, they could have resisted him their entire life, but there was that moment and here's our calling as believers, is we are to tell people the good news of Jesus as long as we can to the very end. Amen? He's chosen. He's predestined. We find comfort in these words of Jesus. In, in a world where fathers and mothers leave and abandon, or kids turn on parents, or parents turn on Kids, in a world where coworkers throw coworkers under the bus, your father will never leave you or abandon you because he has set himself eternally in your, uh, in your corner to show goodness to you. He is chosen. It is good. He's adopted. Now, by the way, that, that word adoption would be so prominently understood because there was a very famous figure, uh, Gaius Octavian Thurinus, who was adopted by Julius Caesar, and his new name became Augustus Caesar. The first Roman emperor was an adopted man, and in Roman law, they got the full rights of a naturally born child. And so in their minds, to, to, to hear that God had adopted, it was like that they would get all the blessings, all the spiritual blessings that a natural-born child would have. It's a beautiful truth. The fourth thing, he says that his glorious grace that he lavished on us. Now, I love that word, lavished. Do you use that word very often? Right? My wife has a lot more hair than I do. And I used to notice that like all the shampoo was going like away quickly. It's like, what's, what's happening? And then I, then I begin to understand the word lavish, right? It takes a lot more shampoo to get all that hair clean, okay? It's like God is just, his, his lavish grace, it's like it's just more. It's, it's super abounding. It's luxurious. It's... it's um, it's, it's this rich, extravagant grace. 
in Christ. Grace upon grace. The fifth thing, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Redemption is a word that would be like to rescue, like if if you're going to pay a ransom and get somebody out. But it's more than that because it it has this idea of of belonging in which you're not just going to get out of jail and back on the streets. You're going to get out of jail and you're coming into my house. That's to, to ransom, to redeem to forgive. <laughs> I mean, all of you are sinners in this room, right? All of us. But in Christ, in Christ, we are forgiven. He says the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. The wisdom and understanding would be like an architect planning something out where he's thinking ahead about all the dimensions and the rooms and the spaces, the windows, the doors, the cabinets, the sink, the, all that stuff. It's like there, there's this plan of God that in wisdom and understanding his riches of his grace. He says, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. And this means this, the mystery is revealed. The secret is out. Jesus is going to bring everything together under his lordship. That God's remaking all and recovering all and renewing all. His enemies will be destroyed and a new heavens and a new earth will come under King Jesus. That's the plan. And he's letting us in on it in Christ. He says that we've received an inheritance. (laughs) Wow. Adopted children who receive the full inheritance. He says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Then he tells us that's the down payment of your inheritance. And you guys know this, that when they would have a letter and they would put the wax and then the king would have a seal and he would seal it. So you would know this is authentic. Like this is from the king's desk. This is his seal. And it's a mark of authenticity. It's it's God saying over you, you're mine. I'm sealing you with the Holy Spirit, this deposit or down payment of your inheritance. And I was thinking about this. Um, Imagine your earthly father has a massive estate, like Bill Gates level, right? Imagine that. And at some point, you're going to inherit that full estate. But in the meantime, I mean, I don't know Bill Gates. Like, I don't know anything about his life. I'm going to imagine his kids are probably doing okay. You'd assume so, right? Like, if they're having a problem paying a bill, I'm going to imagine they'd be like, hey, Dad, um, I'm having trouble paying for this. Or I'm just going to guess that when their car breaks down, Bill's probably like, you should have gotten rid of that clunker years ago. Here, let me help you. Does that make sense? Christmas time. I don't think Bill's just dropping a 20 in the Christmas card. Does that make sense? Like, Bill's going to give something nice to the kids because Bill has the means. 
And when the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance, I want you to understand that that's not a 20 and a Christmas card. Like God is here to help, to provide, to guide, to dwell in us, in Christ. All of it is in Christ. And our worship increases because we get it all. Which means that God doesn't give himself in bits and pieces. You don't just get forgiveness, but uh, not the whole like adoption thing. No, no, it's all one in Christ. You get the whole enchilada, all or nothing. Lastly, our worship increases because God has shown his glory in Christ. Three times. He uses this phrase, to the praise of his glorious grace, or we might bring praise to his glory, to the praise of his glory. It's like he just, it's like the worship is building, this crescendo is building of worship about the glory of God. He says, he's shown his glory to us in Christ. So then the question is, what is glory? And the answer is, I don't know. It's like uh, John Piper was asked that question. He goes, it's, it's impossible to define. It's, it's like define the word beauty. And you're like, hmm, I don't know how I'd define that. But this glory, it's, it's like the, the weightiness, the, the holiness, the grandeur, the beauty, the goodness of God. It's the Wow. It's the wow. And Paul, he's blessing God. He's going on. He's getting carried away with wow. And if I could take that thermometer and put it into your soul, what would the temperature be? Um, I had a friend that was a business associate in my recording studio. And this was back in the day when, uh, like 2007, when the iPhone first came out. Do you, do you all remember life before the iPhone? A few of you, some of you know, yeah? So just so you know, if you, if you don't remember this time period, um, we used to have um, mapquest.com. And if you needed to go somewhere and you didn't know how to get there, you would go in and you would type in the address and then you would print out directions and you would have them stapled because it was two pages of directions and you would sit it on your, your middle console and you would look at the road and you would try to read your directions about where I'm going next. And you're staring at the road signs like, what, what, what road was that? I don't even see that on here, right? Okay. And, and then not only that, uh, we, we had... Um, we had to go onto a computer to read emails. Like you had to go home and get to your computer and read the email or your laptop. Um, we had these things called point and shoot cameras that you would keep. We had a little cute little red one. It was like this big. And all of our baby pictures of our, of our oldest son are on this little point and shoot, right? Because we didn't have an iPhone, yes. We, we had, or you would go to parties and they would have those cameras that would wind up, the cardboard cameras, right? And you take them and then they would take them to be um, developed. We had uh, alphanumeric texting. Wasn't that awesome? 
If you missed the, the lowercase a, you had to go all the way back around. Wait, wait, no, no, that's a, no, one, no, a, the, oh, oh, I missed it again. You know, it's just like so frustrating. We had MP3 players or iPods, or we had a, literally a suitcase worth of CDs, right, in your car. And that's how you listen to music. And so my friend in 2007 is an early adopter, and he comes in with a device. And I'm like, it's all in there? Like all those things that, as like I have like five different devices, and it's all in this one thing? Wow. And what Paul says is look at all the things, and it's all found in one place, in Jesus. Wow. And here's the call. Some of us need to get our wow back. Worship is grown cold. Maybe you thought, it's all on me. Where are you, God? Maybe, maybe in the mundane of life, because you, you have no big thing here or no crazy crisis over here, but it's like you're just kind of in that middle place, and in the middle, you're just, you just lose the wow. And I believe what Paul is calling us into is to get it back, to remember what is in Christ. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rin-church.org.